but how, how good it's been. And it's been a great ride. I, I don't know where all the time has gone. One thing I know, I don't understand why God gave me the opportunity. But I'm thankful that he did. And I'm truly thankful that I said yes. And I want to talk to you about opportunity today. When I talked to Rob a few weeks ago, he's, he told me about the theme of partnership. And I want to offer you a job opportunity today. Not just a job, I want to offer you a partnership from the Lord. Now, I didn't look at my life as a partnership with the Lord when I said yes to the Lord, even my salvation. I knew the Lord had saved me, and, and I was truly thankful for that. But yet, somehow, God wanted more from me. He wants me to be his servant and to be a partner with him. Now, that doesn't mean I can do it myself, but if I allow God to use my life, somehow he can take situations and turn them all around for his glory. Amen? He really and truly can do that. Now I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at a message today. That's all I know how to do is just to open up the Bible and let you, uh, from my study, and I pray that God will help me uh, to be able to share and to communicate the Word of God. And God has that is the, the purpose and the plan that he has for us to be able to take the word of God, which is true, from the beginning to the end. And it's unchanging. And I call this, uh, this area we're talking about here God's unchanging truth about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. It never changes. God, he started out with a plan and a purpose and it's still going and moving forward. Now, I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at this parable about the laborers in the vineyard. Now, look at with me in verse 1, and I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would. Give you a chance just to kind of exercise your legs a little bit, and, and, and just in reverence to the Word of God, and listen to what Jesus tells us in this story about himself. And I'll just tell you, first of all, that he is the householder here. He is the one that's in charge of this vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, or denarius, which is about 16 cents a day's wage in that day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way, and again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why do you stand here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go you also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, emphasis, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. May we pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. 
We don't understand all of the things involved in how that you used men and inspired them to write. And the word of God that we're reading today is from, from your heart, from your mind and your soul, Lord, to us. And Lord, may the message touch every one of us today, young and old. And Lord, may we believe it with all of our heart and may we receive the opportunity that you give us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to share with you a, a little commentary from many of you might remember or know about Harry Ironsides. He, he lived back in the 20th century and he was a Plymouth brethren, I believe. And I want to share with you what he said about this parable that Jesus told. He said, with those first engaged, uh, with those first engaged, the master agrees for a penny that is a denarius a day. While this seems a very small amount of silver coin of little less than our 25 cent piece in size, it was the regular wage, wage for day laborers at that time and had much greater purchasing power than any similar piece of money today. The agreed payment was therefore eminently fair and all these men would have uh, uh, any expectation of receiving. They all expected that would be what the wage would be. As the day wore on, the husbandman went to the marketplace on four other occasions, the third, sixth, ninth, and the eleventh hours, answering to our nine o'clock a.m., twelve o'clock noon, three o'clock p.m., and five o'clock p.m., just an hour before the close of day. Each time he hired any available laborers, telling them he would do what was right by them as to payment for work accomplished. Notice the reason the eleventh hour work workmen gave for unemployment. No man hath hired them. They were ready to work, but opportunity had not come their way. When it did come, they complied at once with a request to go and work in the vineyard. Now, there are key uh, verses here that I want you to look at with me. Uh, one that we didn't read, but it's the last verse of chapter 19. When Jesus ended chapter 19, he said, But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Now, if you go down into this parable, into the verse 16, he just reversed it and said, the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. Now, in that key verse, we begin to, to set up the difference between the kingdom order, the kingdom of God, and the order of the kingdom, and the way the world puts things in order. And I want to just mention a, a way that every day we live with the world's order. And most of the time, we don't like it, do we? We go down to Walmart, and there's lines everywhere. Every register's full, okay? I would like to be able to get in front so I didn't have to wait. Now, the reason I don't, because I don't want to get in a fight with some lady that's got a buggy full of stuff, so I just wait, okay? I don't want to get out of order. I need to wait my turn in line. Well, you see, the world has a way that tries to make us follow its order. And we go by that because of the way that our culture is. Now, let me give you some examples about this. The world and human order says this. Now, Jesus said, remember what he said in verse 16, the last shall be first and the first last, for many be called but few chosen. But let's look at the world's order. The first shall be first and the last shall be last. 
That's what the world says, right? If you're the first in line, guess what? You're going to be what? First. If you're last, you're going to go last. What about this one? First come, first serve. Okay, at the picnic today, if you're down to two hot dogs and you're the last two people in line, guess what? Or the last three people in line, the first two get the hot dogs and you get what? You get a bun. Okay. That's all you get because the world says first come, first served. And then there's another one. If you work the most, you get paid the most. I grew up, my grandpa was a, a farmer, and he farmed the old-time way, you know, with a horse and a plow for 60-some years, plowed the same ground, and he raised tobacco, and I hated tobacco. I've never smoked because I had to work in that stuff. But I made 75 cents an hour pulling tobacco, you know? And my brother and I, we would always compete, you know? Well, I got, I worked five days, and I worked 10 hours today, and so I get more money than you, you know. We were always comparing. And today, the ones that work the most are paid the most. That's probably the way it works where you work. And then what about this? If you've worked the longest, then you earn seniority. The one that works the longest at a company, then you've got what? Man, I've got seniority. Don't you just love those people that rub it in? I've been here 25 years. How long have you been here? <laughs> and then, this is a good one. It's who you know, not what you know. You know, you go to, to interview for a job, and there's 10 people there, and they have to interview everybody, and you find out the job was given to the foreman's second cousin's nephew. <laughs> it's in our way of looking at in the world their order is it's not what you know it's who you know aren't you glad today that it's different with Jesus man I'm going to tell you I, I want to, to just try to if the best I can to illustrate and put a face on this parable for you Robbie had already mentioned a while ago that we come to church and I, I've been preaching for 40 plus years and I preach in all kinds of different situations and I look out and I see people and I don't know why you came today or what you came with today. But I want to give you some examples of these people that Jesus offered a partnership with. And Jesus wants to be a partner with you. He wants to bring you into relationship today. Let me give you some examples, and we won't have time to turn there, but I'm just going to read some of these. Now, one of the greatest words in the Bible, one of the greatest is whosoever. Now, we've all read John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. And we've all been told, you can write your name in there. Take your pen and write your name in there because you can do that. Because you're whosoever. Amen? One of the greatest words in the Bible 
It includes everybody. Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Can your name go there? Yes. What about in Revelation 22, 17, the last chapter in the Bible, John writes as Jesus tells him, Are you thirsty? Let him that's thirsty, whosoever is thirsty, let him take of the water of life freely. Everybody offered a drink. Now, the people who responded to Jesus' job offer to be a partner. Let me give you the first one. Nicodemus. And you may be like Nicodemus today. You're a religious person with a spiritual emptiness. I grew up going to church every Sunday and knew that I was lost. I listened to preachers on the radio. My grandma, if you were out in the yard, she made you come in and listen to Oliver Green, an old Baptist preacher, scared you to death. <laughs> Every time he preached, he'd always end up talking about hell. And we need to hear about hell, amen? Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. But every time Grandma turned the radio on, Oliver Green was talking about hell. And I grew up going to church every Sunday and knew that I was lost. I came with an emptiness and I left with an emptiness and a lot of people are going to church today that same way, like Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus and Jesus changed his life. Become my, a partner with me, Nicodemus. Be born again. Many of you have joined in that partnership because you gave up religion and you came to Jesus. Amen? And what about the woman in John chapter 4? A woman with a heavy moral baggage in her life. You may be here today and you've been through all kinds of relationships and you've messed them up. And every way you've turned, everything you've touched has been a disaster. And in John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman at this well and she had had five husbands and was living with a man in adultery. Now, if that's not a picture of our culture today of all kinds of relationships that are messed up, and you know what Jesus did? He offered her a partnership. Is that the kind of person that you would want in your business? Jesus does. And what about Luke 19, a little man climbed a tree to see Jesus. He just had heard about this man that was doing miracles, and his name was Zacchaeus, and he climbed a sycamore tree. As the song that the kids sing, to see the Lord. For the Lord he wanted to see. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector with dishonesty problems and an addiction to money. Now it doesn't matter what kind of addiction you might have today. It might be money, it may be a other kind of an addiction. But old Zacchaeus represents a lot of people like that. I was just thinking the other day when I was studying this, I said, you know, boy, Washington's full of people like Zacchaeus. <laughs> And you know, as much as sometimes we hate the way that things go in Washington, even Jesus would offer those folks a partnership. Even Zacchaeus, and, and when he got saved, and when he trusted the Lord, he said, Lord, I'll restore everything I've ever taken. He got the real thing, didn't he? <laughs> and then we find the little boy in John chapter 6, with limited resources and ability, he was just a kid, 
And all he had was five loaves and two fishes. A little boy with five loaves and two fishes, and guess what? He became a partner with Jesus, and Jesus used it to feed 5,000 people. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Even a little child, yes, Jesus says, suffer the little children to come to me. Even a little child can be a partner with Jesus. And then what about the little girl that she was the daughter of a man named Jairus? And she died. She was in a life and death crisis. And in Matthew chapter 9, this little girl died. And her daddy came to Jesus, and Jesus went and raised her from the dead. And this little girl, for the rest of her life, can you imagine? Became a partner with Jesus. And then, in that same chapter, Matthew chapter 9, there was a sick woman that had been sick with a physical need for 12 years probably old, everybody had given up on her. Well, you know, old people, they can't do anything. I'm over the hill. I told Irene a while ago, I said, you still working? She said, yes. I said, Irene, we've got to wear out instead of rust out. <laughs> Man, don't ever give up. Because if you're a partner with Jesus, he's going to use your life. And then in Luke 23... Listen, here's a man that was hanging on a cross, dying because of his cr uh, crimes. He was a thief on the cross, hanging next to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He became a partner with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? So, to wrap that up on that that thought, it doesn't take health or age or wealth or power or knowledge or wisdom or position or intelligence. Do you fit into that category today? Okay. I think that covers pretty much. I heard a story about two fellows that they were working out in the hot sun, 90 degrees or 95 degrees, and they were digging a ditch with a shovel and a pick and there was a, the boss man, their boss was standing up under an oak tree, leaning up against the tree. Must have been a government job, you know. I'm just kidding, if any of you work for the... Okay, okay, here they were, and they were digging that ditch, and these two fellas, they started talking. Why are we down here digging this ditch? And he's up there under the tree, leaning against the tree in the shade. One of them said, you know, I'll go ask him. So he got out of the ditch and he went up there to the boss and he said, we were just talking down there and, and we're down there doing all the work and you're up here leaning against this tree in the shade. Why is that? The boss looked at him and said, intelligence. <laughs> and the man said, well, what's that? Well, the boss said, come over here. And he went over to the tree and he put his hand up in front of the tree. And he said, I want you to take that shovel you've got. And I want you to hit that tree as hard as you can. Or hit my hand as hard as you can. So the man, he reared back with a shovel and he started to hit the, the, the hand. Well, the man, just at the last moment, moved his hand and he hit the tree. The boss said, that's intelligence. So he said, okay. So he went back down in the hole with the other guy. And the other guy said, well, what did he say? He said, 
We're down here and he's up there because of intelligence. Well, the other fellow said, well, what's intelligence? So he put his hand in front of his face. <laughs> and he said, hit my hand as hard as you can. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Even those two guys could be a partner with Jesus. Now, that pretty much covers everybody in this room and everybody that I know. But most of all, it covers you. Now, let me tell you what a partnership is. A partnership is a contract entered into by two or more persons by which each shares in a fixed portion in profits and losses. Now, that's the human definition. But I want to tell you, when we, when we take the opportunity that the Lord offers to us, and we're a partner with him, I want to tell you, we're blessed above measure, and we're given the greatest opportunity in the world. And I'm going to tell you, the retirement benefits are great. Would you like to do that today? Now, I know we've got to look at this uh, scripture, but I, I just want you to remember that each of us today is like one of these people offered an opportunity. Now, three things I want to share. The opportunity offered is in verses 1 through 7. Now, what do you have to do? And I, I'm gonna, I've got scriptures up there, and I'm going to mention them, but you can look them up. But first of all, the, the opportunity is offered. And if you have an opportunity, you've got to take the opportunity. All of us have had things in our life. Remember that thing that you could have bought and you didn't buy it? Maybe you ran into something down at the mall and, man, you know, I really need that shirt, but no, I, you know, I better not spend that $20. And then you walk down a couple of more stores and say, you know, I think I'll go back and get it. Guess what? You got there one minute too late. Some lady was buying it for her husband. And that was the last one they had. Missed an opportunity, didn't you? We've all got things like that. I, I had a chance to buy two houses one time for $30,000. Now, that's a good deal. I could have a house and a rental property. Problem is, I didn't have $3 in my pocket. But I think about it, boy, that'd been a great opportunity. But you know, those things just kind of come and go. But the greatest opportunity in the world is when Jesus makes you an offer, an opportunity, and you don't take it. These people that he's talking about represent you and me, just like I shared with you a while ago. All these people that received the opportunity that Jesus gave to them, no matter who they were, they took the opportunity. Then you have to use the opportunity. And the problem is that there's so many that miss the opportunity. The opportunity is there. You come to church, you hear the truth, and Jesus today is speaking to your heart and he's trying to, to show you. The opportunity is there. If you'll take it and use it and don't miss it today. In Proverbs chapter 1 Wisdom is speaking here through Solomon and it says, I gave you all the opportunities in the world and you wouldn't take them. 
So that makes you foolish. That's what Solomon says. I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. Matthew 25 gives us parables of ten virgins and talents that were given to people to use and the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And in every one of those parables in Matthew 25, it talks about opportunities. They were offered to people and they didn't take them. Don't be like that. The second thing, and we didn't read them yet, but is the duty that's expected. Now, here was a householder representing Christ. He offered these people an opportunity to serve or work, to labor. Now, verse 8 says, So when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last to the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, that means at five o'clock in the afternoon was the last time that was given that the householder went out at five o'clock, an hour before quitting time, and hired these people, and they were paid first. Look at that. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny or denarius, worth about 16 cents, okay? Now, as we look at this, what did they have to do? What was the duty that every one of these people had? Now, I want you to listen to me. I've been in ministry over 40 years, and, and I talk to people, uh, are you a Christian? Have you been saved? Oh, yeah, 30 years ago I got saved. Well, where do you go to church? Well, you know, I don't go to church. You know, I, I got hurt 30 years ago. The preacher hurt my feelings, told me something I didn't like. He preached a sermon that, you know, got on my, stepped on my toes, so I don't. And I asked somebody last week, I said, you know, when McDonald's came around back in the 60s, I got sick on McDonald's hamburgers. I ate so many of them, I got sick. You know, I was a kid, a teenager, you know, and I just went down there and I just, 15-cent hamburgers and 12-cent french fries, and I just got all I could eat. I got sick. And I told somebody last week, I said, you know, I still love McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> I got sick on McDonald's hamburgers, but I, if I really, if I really was sick of hamburgers, I wouldn't eat McDonald's hamburgers again. Why is it that people get sick in church, you know, they get hurt, and their feelings hurt, and they, they stay out for 30, 30 uh, years. I don't understand that. Now, these people that were, that were hired, they had a duty. What were they expected to do? Well, they had to go to work in the field. How many Christians think that they can be a Christian, they don't have to do anything? I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, hallelujah! That's not what Jesus says in this parable. They were expected to what? W-O-R-K. What is that? That's work. That's serve. That's labor. The second thing, they had to work together. Now, boy, I tell you, I told Robbie last night, we're talking about partnership, and uh, what Sean shared uh, last night was great, Sean, from Acts. And I told Robbie, I said, that's, that's, that's full proof that that first church was not a Baptist church. It says, working together. 
<laughs> and I'm going to tell you, some of the hardest thing to do is to get people to work together. But that's what they had to do. Everybody had to work together. You may not like to do something with somebody else, but Jesus says you better do it. And you know what I found? The people that I don't like, Jesus always puts somebody in my place or in front of me to work with, just exactly the person I don't like to work with. I went, after I got out of high school, I went to barber school. And I got barber license. I still have them. And uh, I loved it. I mean, I, meeting people and talking to people and, and uh, worked my way through school, put bread on the table for my kids. But I worked with some of the most ungodly people. I worked in some of the most ungodly places. I worked at the International Airport in Memphis when I was in seminary out there. I want to tell you, some of the most ungodly people. Lord, I'd rather be in a, you know, a pastor doing something you know, where I don't have all these sinners around me. Great days. <laughs> But you know what? There was an old shoeshine guy out there at the, the airport barbershop, and he knew the Lord. He couldn't read or write, but he could pray. And every Saturday morning, we'd, nobody else wanted to work but me, and I had four kids at that time, and I had to work. And we'd go in the back room and have prayer, and that shoeshine guy would pray. It was almost like he could just bring down the presence of the Lord. And he loved these young service guys, you know, that wanted their shoes shined. And he began to talk to them, and, and I may be over there, uh, maybe uh, working on somebody's haircut or something, and, but when I got a free time, he'd say, Chuck, this guy needs to talk to you. And I don't know how many people on the Lord knows that were led to the Lord in that little barbershop that during the week is the most ungodly place in the world, but on the weekends we were there by ourselves. You see, God puts you with people that you need to work with. When, we're, when will we ever learn that? And then working till quitting time. Don't you just love it when somebody quits before the job's done? They were expected to work till quitting time. Six o'clock was quitting time. You know, I know a lot of preachers that quit before quitting time. John? Robbie's got a plaque on his wall that I got on my wall in 1986, I believe it was. Maybe 85. And it says this simply, go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and give what you've got. If every servant of God would do that, the world would be turned upside down. But we've got people that want to quit before quitting time. Jesus says you've got to work to quitting time. In 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, it says that we're going, our works are going to be judged by, with fire. We're going to, you know, Jesus is going to look at what we've done. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for your labor is not in vain in the what? In the Lord. Man, I've wanted to quit a lot of times, haven't you, Robbie? The old saying is, a preacher quits, turns in his res resignation, writes out a resignation every Monday morning. 
Well, I've never done that, but I, sometimes I wanted to, but I can't quit. I'm going to share with you a card that a servant of God wrote me several years ago. If you'll allow me just a minute. It says, Chuck, Marilyn, and Ryan, our son, youngest son, was still at home then. I just wanted to let you know that I'm honored to be your family deacon. I pray for my deacon families daily, and I pray especially for you, Chuck, as our pastor, that God will give you the guidance and direction that you need to lead the flock. If you ever need me for anything, you can call me at home or work. I'm excited about the year ahead, and I'm expecting to see God do some great things at Southgate. Please pray for me that God will give me everything I need to serve him best, especially the fullness of his spirit and his service, Mark Kennedy. Mark died January the 15th, 2009. A real servant of God. I got the call on a Wednesday evening that Mark suddenly died of a heart attack, just like that. God used him in a special way. And he was a servant in the field. He was working. He gave me support. He'd call me up and say, Pastor, what can I do for you today? Is there anything that needs to be done? What is it? You tell me. Well, I almost fainted the first time he did that. <laughs> Usually when I answered the phone, it was somebody telling me what was wrong. You need to change this, preacher, or you need to do this. But Mark said, what can I do for you? A servant. The final thing is this. The equality that's promised. Now I want you to listen. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Listen to what the end of the story is. And this is what I call the equality that's promised. Verse 10. The workers who had been hired first thought they would be given more than the others. But when they were given the same, they began complaining to the owner of the vineyard. Uh, Lord, I'm doing more than anybody else. Why, why am I doing more than anybody else? They said the ones who were hired last worked only one hour, but you paid them the same that you did us, and we worked in the hot sun all day long. The owner answered one of them, Friend, I didn't cheat you. I paid you exactly what we agreed on. Take your money now and go. What business is it of yours if I want to pay them the same that I paid you? Don't I, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Why should you be, be jealous if I want to be generous? Then Jesus said, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. Now, in this final heading, quickly, I want to read to you another an old Bible expositor, J.C. Ryle. And he's talking about equality here. About how these workers are partners and they were paid the same. We see one man called to repentance and faith in the beginning of his days like Timothy. And laboring in the Lord's vineyard for 40 or 50 years. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been saved 40 or 50 years and you've been laboring for the Lord. We see another man called at the 11th hour like the thief on the cross and plucked like a firebrand out of the fire. One day a hard, impenitent sinner and the next day in paradise. 
And yet the whole tenor of the gospel leads us to believe that both these men are equally forgiven before God. Both are equally washed in Christ's blood and clothed in Christ's righteousness. I like that. Both are equally justified, both accepted, both will be found at Christ's right hand at the last day. Now listen, true faith in Christ, though it be but a day old, justifies a man before God as completely as the faith of him who has followed Christ for 50 years. Amen? Amen. The righteousness in which Timothy will stand at the day of judgment is the same as that of the penitent thief. Both will be saved by grace alone. Both will owe all to Christ. And then he says, we may not like this, but it is the doctrine of this parable, and not of this parable only, but of the whole New Testament. Praise God. That's a partnership. Now, in these verses, we see quickly that they were viewed equally. Everybody was the same. It's not who you know with Jesus. Just because you're a preacher's kid doesn't make you any better than anybody else. Amen? Sometimes it can be a curse. (laughs) But thank God, God honors those who honor him. And I'm so thankful that God has blessed me with wonderful children and grandchildren. But they don't make, that don't, does not make them special. We're all equal before God. We're viewed equally. We're paid equally. They got the same thing, a denarius, 16 cents, whether you worked all day or for one hour. The thief on the cross got salvation forever and ever. Just like Timothy that had been a Christian for 50 years. But this is a good one here, the lastly, praised equally. Praised equally. You know, there's sometimes that it seems like some people, they get all the recognition. Sometimes it's always the ones out in front. Nobody gets praised for clean bathrooms most of the time. I try to make sure that if somebody's doing something nobody knows about, I appreciate you. We have a man in our church, and, and his name is Scotty Mabe, and he does everything. If there's something broken, he fixes it. And I always, in every way I can, he won't take any money, but I've learned that I, I'll just have to do it this way. I walk up to him and I say, the Lord told somebody that you were to get this. Okay? Because the Lord knows what you do. And I'm thankful that they see it, and I see it, and this is for you. Now, folks, when we look at this partnership, we're all praised equally. No matter if you clean the bathrooms or preach the word. Amen? (laughs) There's not going to be a special row in heaven for the preachers. Now, there may be for the preacher's wives. Several of the ladies told me last night and this morning, I appreciate you giving your wife recognition or the credit. I said, I'm going to tell you, if Robbie's honest, and he is, and I will try to be honest with you, and I'm sure that Sean would be honest about Susan, if it was not for them, we would not have done anything. 
Amen. In Acts 17, Paul says, all mankind is equal before God as far as our need. Galatians 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek. We all have the same opportunity. In Matthew 25, in that parable of the talents, when they, the, the two that had the five talents and the, the two talents, they multiplied their talents and Jesus said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. The one who hid his talent, it was taken away. The greatest thing that can ever happen to us is to realize one day that Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Didn't matter if you cleaned the bathroom or you preached the word, you did it for the Lord. And there's equal, equal pay. You'll be viewed equally and you'll be praised equally. Now, I know our time is up, and I appreciate your patience. I want to give another warning that J.C. Ryle gives here. You know, if you look at this parable, and a lot of people try to analyze things like this, you know, even in the Bible. Well, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, this opportunity that Jesus is offering me, uh, let me see what. I don't want to start work at 6 o'clock. I don't like to get up that early, you know. And uh, what about uh, later on in life, you know, if I look at my life, maybe at 12 o'clock, that might be about when I'm up 30 or 40, <laughs> But what about, you know, some people say, well, I'm going to wait till 5 o'clock on my life clock, and I'm not going to do anything until it's 5 o'clock. One hour before I die, then I'll accept Jesus. I'll be like that thief, you know. I'll just, and you young people, you know, I know how it is. Man, I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to do my own thing. J.C. Ryle, that lived 200 years ago, says this. Let us beware of supposing from this parable that it is safe for anyone to put off repentance till the end of his days. To suppose this is a most dangerous delusion. The longer men refuse to obey Christ's voice, the less likely they are to be saved. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6.2. Few are ever saved on their deathbeds. Let me read that again. Few are ever saved on their deathbeds. One thief on the cross was saved that none should despair, but only one that none should presume. I like that. It's a warning. One thief on the cross was saved that none should despair, but only one that none should presume. Do not presume on God's opportunity. A false confidence in those words, the eleventh hour has ruined thousands of souls. I'll just wait. Don't just wait. Take the opportunity. Amen? Now, we've talked about this partnership, and again, remember a partnership? You're not an employee, you're a partner. I like that. I'm not an employee. I'm a partner with the Lord. And I'm going to share equally that I'm investing in the business. The king's business is a partnership, no matter what you do. Now, I felt led of the Lord to share this last thing, and I want you to listen to me carefully. 
Maybe you have said yes to this opportunity. Maybe you are a partner with the Lord, but somehow there's been a breakdown in that relationship, in that partnership with the Lord. I may be speaking to you right now, and I will share some things with you in just a moment. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one. Now, my grandpa, I said, was a farmer, and he plowed with a plow and a horse, and he always looked ahead because he had to make the road straight. And he kept his hand on the plow. Now, there, are, there is a characteristic today, and it's always been a part of the church. Now, I'm going to use a, 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 a modern word. I call it slacking. There are a lot of Christians that have become slackers. Do you know what that is? If you know what a slacker is, what is a slacker? Is that good or bad? Okay. A slacker is somebody who's inactive, lazy, or indifferent. Christians can be slackers. We need to, to throw off this concept of our day, and there's a lot of people out in our world that just try to get by and let other people do everything for them, but the church has no room for slackers. Amen? We're partners carrying the load. Now, a slacker is missing opportunity. And sometimes a slacker likes to point out someone else who is slacking. You know, Somebody that's maybe slacking, they'll always look at somebody else. Well, you know, they're not doing what they need to do. I, after 40 years, I started telling people that come to me and say, you know, somebody ought to do something about this. And I, I, I'll say, praise God. If God's shown you that there's something that needs to be done, he's called you to do it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I stopped a lot of people from coming to my door. If you come to my door complaining about something's not being done, you may expect to say, God's called you to do it. So they just quit coming. But a slacker's like that. They always find somebody else not doing what they need to be doing. But I'm going to talk to your heart now. I want to put a face, your life, into this. I'm going to start with preachers because I am one. Maybe not the best one, but I've been called by God to preach. And I've run, in 40 years, I've run across a lot of slacker preachers. Pastors can be slackers. They can lose their vision and drive and enthusiasm. Thank God that Robbie, even though he's been sick all these months, he hasn't lost that. A pastor can just go through the motions. Now, I want to tell you, I've seen pastors that get into a, a, a track and they just go through the motions. Isn't that right, Sean? They become lax in the discipline of prayer and Bible study and preparation. They go to the internet for their sermons. Play golf on Saturday, don't worry about Sunday morning, I got it, boy. I got old Stephen Olford's sermon today. Next week, I'm going to have Adrian Rogers. 
Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's not what we need. We need preachers that study the Word. And God gives them a message, and it's brought to the church. Ministry becomes just a job and a routine. Just a job. The ministry is a calling. A calling. But let's go to the ministry supporters and the teachers and the leaders in the church. And that may be you today. I've seen slackers who are in ministry who are supposed to be supporters and who teach and who lead and they don't show up. Erin, my daughter Erin, the youngest daughter with her children, she came with us this week and her husband's a deacon in their church back in Tennessee and He's the chairman of the nominating committee. They had a meeting the other day and nobody showed up but Jason. <laughs> Bless his heart. What a shame. Here were people that were committed to do something and they didn't show up. Now, he might get in trouble calling call them slackers. But I told Aaron just to tell Jason that I said they were slackers. And they can blame it on me. As I'm getting older, I don't, I don't hesitate sometimes anymore. It gets me in trouble. <laughs> I don't have anything to lose. <laughs> they don't show up. They fail to complete their task. Get halfway through the church year and somebody says, I'm just fed up with those kids. I've changed 200 diapers. In a month, and I'm just tired of it, I quit. And I don't want to pick on the nursery, but God bless them. But it's, it's every job. Even if they had a job just serving pie at the picnic or whatever. I'm just not going to do it anymore. And then the ones that serve on their terms, well, I'll teach that class or I'll do this, but, and if you hear that word but, you better watch out. That's on their terms. God doesn't want your terms. God wants his terms. And then they take the church ministry for granted. It's less important than their other interests. Well, you know, uh, pastor, I'm a deacon, but I'd rather teach, uh, coach the ball team, a little league ball team, so I won't be at deacon's meeting for the next three months. Oh, really? Well, you're a slacker. And then they're the church members. Now listen. Oh, I just go to church, I'm a member, but you know. Well, are you? Well, are you a real committed person who is serving the Lord? Are you one that drops out of the services and the activities? You just don't come anymore? You don't give your support financially? Well, you know, the church is not doing what I think we ought to do with finances, so I'm just going to quit giving. Oh, really? They blame others for problems in their lives, their family, or the church. They're never content. And I, in 40 years, I've, I, this is what I don't understand. You run into people that are never content. And they move from church to church. Well, I'm not happy. And I just love this. And Well, I'm not being fed. You ever heard that one? Drives me crazy. Not being fed, man, 
This is what's supposed to feed you every day. You come to church to just get a feeling to where you can go out and just do more. Man, I'm not supposed to spoon feed you. Robbie's not supposed to spoon feed you. You're supposed to grow and be able to feed yourself and be part of a church. And then finally, they use their jobs, their families, their circumstances not to be and do what they should. And there's a lot of people today that claim to be Christians and members of the body of Christ and they become slackers. Now, I've, I've dumped a lot on you today. But I hope that one thing you've realized, the offer that Jesus made in this parable is the offer is made to everyone today. Whether you're like Nicodemus, you have a spiritual emptiness, you're like the woman that had all of these relationships and, and needed to have peace in her life and forgiveness. Zacchaeus, who had all of these addiction problems, he loved money and he loved probably a lot of other things that were ungodly. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're just like the little boy or maybe you're not a little boy or, or a little girl today, but maybe you're just somebody, well, you know, I don't have any abilities. All I've got is five fishes and two loaves, or five loaves and two fishes, and God can use that. Fed 5,000 people. Or the little girl that had, was in a life and death crisis. Maybe you're in a crisis today. Or you're sick in other ways, physically, emotionally, whatever. Or maybe today that you just feel like you've wasted your life, like the thief on the cross. And God says, I can use you. Help woman. And you qualify. Let's stand and pray together. I'm going to ask Rob to come and stand here. I don't know what God has said to you today about the opportunity that God wants you to have and know about today. But I believe God's speaking to your heart. You may not be a Christian yet, but today, this is your opportunity. You may be a Christian, and maybe, just maybe, God's laid something on your heart. Maybe you have been a little slacking in some things. But this is a place right here where you can resolve it and move on with your life. Maybe you just need to become a part of this body right here. Maybe you've just been resisting. God's speaking to you that you need to get involved. Maybe you have messed up. Maybe you've gotten sick on a spiritual hamburger along the way. Does that mean you're never going to eat again? Why don't you get it resolved today? I want to pray for you. And I, I just, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I believe there are people that need to come today. And I'm just going to ask you to bow before the Lord. And if and I won't point you out, but if you have a special need in your life and God's speaking to you today, would you just raise your hand? Just say, Lord, you're talking to me today. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that in spite of the 
sinfulness in our lives, Lord, the depravity. Lord, we thank you that you love us. And Lord, you turn nobody away. There are people here that are thirsty today. There are things that are going on in our lives. Lord, we just need to give them to you. Help us, Lord, to say yes. Maybe there's a young person, a boy, a girl, that just needs to come and just give their lives to Christ. Maybe an adult. Maybe there's a Christian here today that says, Lord, I've been sitting on the sidelines too long. I need to get in that partnership where I need to be. Lord, I thank you that you're going to work. We give the results to you. And may, if there is somebody today that needs to come, that they will. In Jesus' name, amen.